The Football Show on Off The Ball with Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to anything I can well, to do it then. Again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Yeah, welcome along to Thursday's Football Show. Richie McCormick here with you in the Office of Ball studio. We'll be over to Tallis Stadium for more updates on Shamrock Rovers' second leg with Ferenc Varos in the Europa League. But on Monday night, Liverpool's two undefeated away to Manchester United underlined their underwhelming start to the season with draws against both Fulham and Crystal Palace preceding that date at Old Trafford. To join us and discuss how Jurgen Klopp might possibly get the nose up on this Liverpool season is a man who possibly knows him better than most. It's Raphael Honigstein. Welcome back to the show, Raphael. I'm happy to be here. Hello. I'm going to put these uh, words to you, these wonderfully florid, well-written words, Raphael, and see if you recognise them, not only in certain tone, but uh, who may have written them. Uh, Media debates have honed in on the most readily available numbers, the poor goal-scoring return despite creating a wealth of chances and a series of defensive blackouts by seasoned pros on the other end of the pitch. But blaming the for and against columns as the causes for them lays is a bit like blaming a fever on a patient's high temperature. Do you know who wrote that? It does sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, this is from 2014-2015 in Jurgen Klopp's what turned out to be his final season at Borussia Dortmund when I guess the bloom had come off the rose to a certain degree by dint of a really horrific spell prior to Christmas and in around the New Year as well uh, whereby they slumped into the relegation zone in the Bundesliga. Now obviously we're a long ways away from Liverpool uh, being in real trouble here as Borussia Dortmund were in that particular season but there have been parallels drawn obviously enough between the two seasons the coincidences of selling major strikers uh, the Bayern Munich factor and all of that as well and just the general lack of I don't know oomph that there seems to be about Liverpool so far this season what have you made of these first three games first of all and, and, and the lapse there seems to have been from last term well, I think the uh, three games didn't really have that much in common. I think Liverpool did enough to win at least two of them. I think they probably did enough to draw the third and then we'd be having a different conversation. But of course, this is a team that thrives of energy, that lives off energy. And if the energy is a little bit low, if players are having to be played who in a normal uh, season or under normal circumstances would probably be your first choice subs rather than first choice starters, especially midfield, then the overall quality suffers. And I think then looking at the bench when, uh, you know, United have, I think, 300 million euros or pounds worth of players on the bench in Liverpool had uh, mostly youngsters and centre-backs that shows you that right now they're going through a lean spell not so much I think in terms of the overall picture and things are being manifestly wrong or fundamentally problematic with this team but in terms of the numbers and players available and I think that is the biggest problem Uh, Liverpool team a club team that doesn't rotate that doesn't have uh, options of the bench it doesn't have that energy uh, from the start or being injected uh, having injected that energy uh, at later times during the game that that team will suffer and I think that's what we've seen so far Are there many parallels do you think like you would have watched on that 2014-15 season for, for Dortmund are there many parallels in terms of I know the, the results are sorry the performances are kind of three separate performances but in terms of that lowering in, in energy there seems to have been a bit of that and I think the game against Manchester United can bear that out a little bit and, and underline that point because it didn't seem like the same Liverpool that we've seen for the past four or five seasons really 
It didn't. I think there's some similarities. Um, it is the seventh season. Um, you know, maybe that's a coincidence. I don't know. But uh, things have been uh, very good for a long time. And now it looks as if uh, this could be um, not as good a season. But I, I would caution against that. I think that's way too early. And of course, the number of injuries uh, in that season that you mentioned, 14-15, Injuries were one of the huge issues for this team. They had a lot of players injured. And at the time, there was a lot of debate about Jurgen Klopp's system being perhaps a little bit too demanding. And that's why he has all these injured players. Um, he very much argued against it. And I think if we look at um, the seven years on the whole, then you would be struggling to find any correlation, I think, between Liverpool's system and their number of injuries. It seems to fluctuate uh, with no real pattern as far as I can uh, ascertain. But what is very different is the the overall picture. I mean, this was a Dortmund team that had gone through an entire cycle of players who'd won things, and a lot of them had either moved on or come sort of to was the latter stages of their career. And that rebuilding process uh, that was necessary wasn't really possible because Dortmund weren't in the Champions League um, the year when he left eventually they, they missed the Champions League so there was a sort of a an understanding that in order to rebuild this team to find a transition into the next team the coach had to go because that was the the easiest button to push at the time I think Liverpool are a million miles away from that mm. I think the transition has already happened to a large extent this is already the next Liverpool I think all the, the pieces are in place uh, for another really successful team I think going into the season very few anticipated any major problems because there was so much depth in so many positions it just happens that uh, a lot of injuries have caught up with them at uh, at the very same time and now they're very thin in some key positions but I think it can't really be compared uh, beyond superficial similarities to what happened at Dortmund. On uh, a slightly more granular level, there have been questions asked about the um, refreshing of the midfield, in particular at Liverpool, because they started at Old Trafford with James Milner and with Jordan Henderson, both of whom are well north of 30 now at this stage. Uh, Thiago is in around that age too, and he has become very, very injury prone. They would be the three, well, two of the three main dependents uh, uh, for our Klopp in the midfield in the past couple of years. Years, there seems to have been even looking at how successful it would have been the last two three seasons that the midfield was in need of a bit of a refresh and that doesn't seem to have happened but he he can be a manager who's a bit obstinate in his ways if, if he decides if he decides in his head that something doesn't need doing or something does need doing then he will stick by that and they have been quite adamant that they're not going to do any more business in midfield especially this summer he opened the door ever so slightly after the game. I thought, where well, he said, "I'm not the wrong. I'm not. I'm the wrong person to ask. Uh, we're always working on things. Whether we can make them happen or not, I'm not sure." He seemed to, um, at least, suggest to me that it's not impossible that they might do something. Perhaps something a little bit more knee-jerk and more short-term than they want to do. Uh, we saw that uh, two seasons ago when they had to buy centre-backs because they had this crazy wave of of people injured all in the same position and they bought a player, brought in a player, I should say, on loan, who perhaps wasn't quite ready and who's since been uh, moved on. But I think something like that is possible. I think what's important to understand, and I got this from talking to both Klopp and his number two many times over the course of um, researching the book and, and updates for it, is that they will often prefer not to buy someone who they think is just another body. 
Um, I think from the outside looking in, we always think of transfers as improvements, as reinforcements, as adding numbers. And I think Klopp and, and Pete Kravitz and everyone else thinks that every transfer changes things and they might not change things for the better. Uh, so you have to be really sure that the person that you bring in can improve the team, is the right character, ticks all the boxes. I think Liverpool were quite far uh, advanced with one or two players in the transfer market that it didn't work out. Joe Maney, for example, somebody who went to Real Madrid, was definitely high on Liverpool's agenda a few months ago. India, they couldn't make it happen. And I can easily see why they will say, well, there's not another Joe Maney now ready to come in in August. We'd rather wait give this one more year and then buy a next target who might be Jude Bellingham, who knows. But that is generally the way that they've done things. And and remember, every single year um, since he's come in, I think people have questioned the transfer policy. There's always been, we, we're missing this, we're missing that, we're missing a centre forward, we're missing another centre back. And I think the points and the results so far would suggest that more often than not, I think internally they got the um, shall we say the uh, the measure of the squad more accurately than perhaps from the outside looking in? What would be the the balance in terms of that opinion that uh, Fenway Sports Group don't open the purse strings, uh, balanced by Klopp doesn't want to bring in players just for the sake of it? Where does that balance lie this summer? I think it depends a little bit on what the injury situation is with yeah. Naby Keita. I don't think they have yet. Uh, a clear picture of how long he's out for. Well, that in itself, of course, is worrying. Thiago's injury record, we all know about, so that is worrying. If you're going into the season with uh, the three players that started on Monday night, plus Fabinho, plus Curtis Jones, I think it will be a little bit thin, especially if you play three midfielders all the time. And we know with the World Cup how crazy the schedule is, crazier than ever before. So I think that might that in itself might tempt uh, both FSG and, and, and Jurgen Klopp to say, okay, is there are there any targets that we would otherwise try to sign for next summer that we can bring forward? If not, is there anyone who can do a short-term solution for us without any huge financial risk? Um, I can see why they would at least exploit that because at the moment, it does look a little bit thin in that area. Think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, and they were close to each other, and they just seem systematically right now. Liverpool are not clicking. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. As regards their playing style, that was brought into focus, I guess, as well over the last, well, especially after Monday night, uh, with how Trent Alexander-Arnold was exposed and it almost mirrors in a way his performance in the Champions League final back in May. And there's, there's people who say, and this I, I saw from reading that same piece of yours from, from seven, eight years ago, was that at the time when Klopp was asked about it and tackled about the, the theory that you've been found out, his response essentially was, well, what does that say about all the managers that have faced this up until then, that they just were unable to find us out? It doesn't ring true. And that there seems to be an element of that as well, whereby there quite clearly are there issues there, but I'm not sure if there are people figuring them out or if it's people need a refresh or if it's more... like Because everything goes through the fullbacks, right? Everything goes through the wingbacks of Liverpool and they're the ones who don't necessarily get rotated when most others do in that side. Is it just a case that Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson need a couple of weeks extra off or what is it there, do you, do you reckon? Well, Trent's always been under heavy duty because there isn't really a ready-made uh, substitute for him, at least on the left-hand side, there's Simikas, but uh, um, Joe Gomez doesn't quite offer the same 
uh, going forward. And that's why it's always down to trend. I don't think it's necessarily about the teams having uh, suddenly woken up to the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold is sometimes a defensively subject, that suspect. That's been that's been the case for many years. It's just that unfortunately in the game against uh, United he switched off at a key moment and then also Van Dijk switched off who could have perhaps rescued the situation so you had a combination of of people just losing with the focus Champions League final I disagree I don't think he was at fault uh, for the mistake um, by the time the ball comes in there's not a lot you can do if you're playing offside and try to hold the line uh, but the wider points it rings true I mean Trent has these off moments and um, I think the balance here is that he offers so much going forward that Klopp says okay this is this is what you get this is what you have to take also as the right back don't forget um, at least one half he is the guy that gets all the flack from Klopp he's always the closest <laughs> to, the, mm-hmm. to the bench for 45 minutes so Klopp has at least 45 minutes to always sort of coach him and, and, and shake him up almost uh, but at that moment in time he was of course at the opposite of the opposite side of the pitch so uh, I'm not sure that was the decisive factor, but yeah, he does sometimes uh, lose focus and concentration a little bit, but that's nothing new. How does Klopp go about ensuring that that doesn't happen as frequently as you know Manchester United managed to exploit on Monday night? Just have to talk to the player, uh, remind him of his responsibilities. Also, make sure that he has protection. You know, sometimes there were huge gaps in midfield, um, and then if you are exposed as a as a right back, you you will lose sometimes your your man, or you'll you'll have a problem if it's one we won. That that happens to to the best of them. So ideally, you stop that situation from arising in the first place by controlling the ball, as Liverpool like to do by winning the ball further up as they like to do um all of a lot of these things didn't quite work out and of course there's somebody then holding um you know carrying the can at the end who's not necessarily uh, the main culprit but the guy who who suffers the most from previous mistakes and that is another fact i think we shouldn't uh, shouldn't overlook but yeah i mean trent we saw that uh, from england performances we see that from his continued um absence from the England starting 11 when it comes to big games can be defensively uh, problematic but um, if the team functions as well as they did throughout last season and let's not forget how close they came to winning absolutely everything then I think that's a price worth paying yeah I don't think anybody's I don't think we're pressing the panic button yet and saying uh, clop out or anything like that that'd be ridiculously silly or you know completely changing the bathwater as well because again there's so much credit in the bank for those players but like you can see why there's cause for concern when you see like the moments of dissension that we saw on the pitch like the it didn't quite get to McManaman and Grobelar levels but when you see the finger pointing and, and arguments back and forth between James Milner and Virgil van Dijk for instance like from what has been noted as being a really unified and really close dressing room when that kind of stuff starts manifesting on the pitch, people are entitled to ask questions about, is this squad really where it needs to be at the moment? It's true, but I think the answer from Klopp would be, and maybe from some of the players, that you'd rather see that than just everyone being quiet and just happy to have conceded the goal and you kick off again. I think there needs to be some kind of inquest when at least two players completely switched off for what proved to be a, a crucial game, a crucial goal, because we know that United wanted to play on the break. United had 30% or less than 30% of the ball. You go 1-0 down against a team like that, then it becomes really, really difficult. So th- there was just no excuse, really, by the way, that it conceded the goal. And Milner, um, part of the reason why Klopp loves him, part of the reason why uh, 
he's such an important figure behind the scene, will not go quietly into the night. And he will point fingers and even take on Van Dijk, who probably a lot of players, that's just my um, my, my, my sense, my opinion, my, my feeling, mm. would probably hesitate from addressing uh, or confronting uh, face-to-face on the pitch. But Milner is uh, so experienced and so uh, sure in himself that he will do it. And I think this was not a question of people having a, a sort of a falling out or a, you know an altercation between personalities this was about you know somebody not doing their job and being reminded what needs to be done and i think club would would probably work on that yeah going forward in, in terms of the team <clears throat> and has been made obviously enough of, of Sadio Mane heading off to, to Bayern Munich and he pointed out the player wanted a, you know a different challenge Klopp uh, was fairly open to that as well and, and possibly felt that his front three uh, as it is on, on the pitch probably needed a bit of a refresh but there's no doubting that that lack of X-factor that he brought to the side is a massive loss to them this season as well I think it's a massive loss when Diego Jota is not on the pitch. I think when Jota is there, you have all the energy. You you have everything that Mane does in a slightly different way. But I would say it's it's as close as a one-to-one as you get in terms of the energy, in terms of the application. Jota might not always have a great game, but like Mane, he will never he will never just go missing. He always, every time I've seen him, he is there, he does things, he makes things awkward, and that sheer energy is infectious and helps everyone else. And I think without him and without Nunes, um, again, it's not quite the same. Uh, They looked a little bit leggy. They looked a little bit isolated. But I I would say the bigger issue was was the midfield behind them. I mean, how many times did we see, for example, uh, Mohamed Salah touching the ball and somebody being close to him? There seemed to be these huge gaps. The game was very, very stretched. And then it becomes very, very difficult. Uh, Even though United uh, gave them a lot of possession, Liverpool didn't really find a lot of rhythm with the ball to create these, these good moments. And I think a lot of it was down to the midfield uh, being quite negative, passing sideways where they perhaps could have been a bit more uh, incisive and, and all these things combined. So again, I think if you look, if you cast your mind back to, let's say, a month ago or two months ago and you saw how well uh, these front um, five performed and then you add Nunes and then you take away Mane and you still have a front five which looks pretty, pretty good and pretty tasty, I don't think there's necessarily... Um, much room to suggest that you know money now is a huge, huge problem that changes completely the the dynamic of this of this team. But again, injuries. Um, two out of these fives being out is probably too many, as, especially now that you have Firmino being a little bit um, out of shape. I would say. And then all of a sudden it looks not quite as compelling as it did last season. Does Klopp tend to, in a perverse way, kind of enjoy these moments where the team aren't performing to their optimum and he has something to work with? Uh, or is he is it is it just going to wreck his head between you know game to game trying to get it right? Like, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> if you know that you've a horrible job ahead of you, but there's an element of loving that it's completed and getting to the bottom of it, there's a satisfaction there, I guess. I think he absolutely hates it. Okay. He hates it. He compared it to me to having to go into the rain. You don't want to do it, but you have to do it anyway. And he's somebody who uses every moment he has spare to go and uh, sit in the sun in Spain or somewhere else. Um, so he, he does not enjoy it, I'm, I'm sure. He wants the team to function. He wants the things to be right. He wants to tweak little things at half time, a little bit of positioning, a little bit of a change of, of rhythm, change of um, direction. And then it clicks even better. 
but to having to have to solve so many problems uh, at the moment i don't think he enjoys it at all it's not as bad i think as it was during that season when all the injuries uh, really wrecked their season in liverpool struggled to make the champions league let's not uh, forget yeah. i don't think we're at that stage yet but he is clearly frustrated with the amount of injuries and the knock-on effects it has on his team where everyone seems a little bit out of rhythm, out of energy, with no chance to refresh from the bench. I think that is the biggest issue at the moment. In a weird way, <clears throat> he, in, in that 2014-15 season, kept pointing towards the fact that, you know, when we get further into the season, it's going to be okay. And to a degree, like finishing seventh that season from the points that they were at proves that when things do click, even after a very difficult spell, they can go and he man- can be behind a pretty remarkable run. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility even with the World Cup being lumped into the middle of the season that they can recover from this and granted it is still you know just two draws and a defeat from three games but they can still recover from this and end up with a pretty decent season behind them yeah I don't think there's any doubt that this can still be a very good season but the amount of games that you have before November make it even more important I think to bring these players back because basically you will um, every time these players are out it hurts more because of the amount of games that they'll miss I mean Thiago now being out hurts you a lot more than a normal season because you'll have three Champions League games, you know, all packed into a couple of weeks and all these things. And it makes everything a lot more difficult than it otherwise would do. The interesting thing with that 14-15 season was that while everybody said, well, the system is is finished and this team is finished and um, they are just in desperate need of a change. And even the club felt that eventually. Mm. The numbers actually suggested that they got incredibly unlucky and we're still by far the second best team in the Bundesliga. And that all that happened between the first half of the season where they finished 17th and the second when they finished 7th was that uh, the luck just switched again. And they basically basically got the results that the performances warranted. There was a lot of one-goal defeats in that run as well, if I remember right. Absolutely. The interesting thing is, though, when you mention that to to um, to Klopp and his, his assistant, they they almost don't want to believe in luck and they say, well, no, we had to change this and we had to change that. So they're kind of convinced that they they used the winter break to sort things out. But later on, it uh, became quite clear looking at the numbers. At the time, expected goals wasn't a readily available system, but there were people using it and some of them actually talked to Klopp and then Klopp found also from the Liverpool analysts when he moved to Liverpool in October that they showed him the numbers and suggested that uh, they just had a horrific season in terms of just getting really, really unlucky and they should have never been the 17th uh, best team or the second worst team in the Bundesliga in that first half season. So they just need luck to turn their way between yeah. now and now and Christmas, yeah. I guess. All right, Raphael Hanekstein, thank you so much for joining us this evening and uh, we fully expect for, uh, Jurgen Klopp to get the nose up on this season for Liverpool. But for the meantime, thank you. You're welcome.